Well, my name is Jason. Daniel and I, we, we go way back to when we were uh, all living up in Washington, and um, he was a youth pastor and I was a youth pastor, and we would do events together. And then when God called us to move to Mexico, uh, he called them to come out here to Florida. And so while they were starting Redemption Church, we were starting our ministry down in Mexico, and God has allowed us to serve um, and still stay connected and, and be friends. And uh, this church, Redemption Church, has really walked this journey with us from the beginning. Um, Daniel serves on the board of House of Blessing, and we were actually just in um, Utah for our annual board meeting last month, just seeking the Lord, praying, seeing what God has. You know, what we do in Mexico, and we've been down there for going on 12 years, and it would not be possible without the prayer and the support from churches and people up here in the States. Pastor Robin was sharing just about worship and what that meant to him. The reason why I, I wanted to share this because of, of what it means. This is, um, and I'll talk about our school and everything that's taking place, but uh, we have a school down in Mexico, and uh, every morning for 15 minutes we have chapel, and uh, uh, I get to do worship for that when I'm, when I'm down there. There is a song that we sing called Jesucristo Basta, and this is the chorus of the song. He is the water that when we drink, we will never thirst again. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. He received my punishment and gave me his inheritance. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Now there is a future and a faithful hope in his love we trust. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. In him we rest. Do you know that Jesus is enough? Do you believe that tonight? Now listen, I don't want you just to say yes because I'm asking you. Do you really believe it? Do you believe it when you're going through hard times, like Robin was saying? Do you believe it when your world seems to be turned upside down? Do you believe it when, when for the first six years that you're down in Mexico, uh, things are going one way and then a thing calls, come, called COVID and this pandemic and then it drastically changes and it shifts everything? Do we believe that he is enough? And I want to say, yes, I am growing in that belief. Anybody else growing in that, in your journey with the Lord? Lord, I want to believe that you're enough. I want to believe that you can provide. I want to believe that you are who you say you are, that your word is truth. I want to believe that. Listen, hopefully that's why you've come to church tonight. Of all the things you could be doing on a Sunday night at 5 o'clock, You've chosen to come here to worship and to hear from the Lord. That's what um, I desire. Hopefully that's what you desire. That's what we desire down in Mexico. So uh, again, my name is Jason. Um, I kind of grew up in Washington, met my wife there. And uh, the reason why we went down to Bashiniva is because uh, my uncle uh, is from there, and uh, we had the opportunity in 2003 to help plant a church down there and <clears throat> build a church, and we would take our youth group down there and do missions trips, and I've just always loved going down there. I never knew 
I would never have guessed that God would have us move down there, uh, but God had a different plan. And so when we moved down there in 2012, we purchased 40 acres believing that God wanted us to, um, to open a children's home, an orphanage. And then we opened the orphanage in 2014. And for six years, we, we, it functioned as a children's home that cared for over 65 kids, various ages, various backgrounds, some true orphans, some not. Fast forward to the pandemic and just this time of not sure what God wanted to do, if anything, if it was time to go home, uh, the Lord clearly said no. Um, and so when I was here in October and then in years past of just sharing how slowly God has begun to reveal the, the new chapter for us, and that was to start a private Christian school on our property. We, we did this informational meeting. Long story short, we thought we were going to have 15 to 20 kids our first year. Last year, we had an info meeting just for our church. We didn't invite anybody else, and then all these people showed up. The majority of these people are not from our church, so word spread fast in our town, and um, that number that we thought 15 to 20 jumped all the way up to 53 our first year. And so our first year, last year, with our school, not sure how to do it. Uh, we didn't have the teachers. We didn't have the building ready. We didn't have the funds and the resources. And so this went like from zero to 100 very fast, very quickly, which I often find is the play is what happens when God is working. Amen to that? Do you notice that? When God is doing a new thing, as it says in Isaiah, behold, I am doing a new thing, he often works quickly. And sometimes it can feel overwhelming. Have you experienced that before? Can I get an amen to that? Where it's like so much change or so much is happening, it feels like, oh my goodness. Well, it's always interesting to me every year as I begin to, to travel and speak at churches and um, share. It's been a blessing being able to share at schools now, a couple schools here in Florida, uh, just about our school and everything. It's, it's always interesting to see the word that the Lord begins to speak to my heart. And I found this time for this trip coming up here, the word that the Lord was speaking was not, hey, Jason, here's when I want you to go and tell people. It didn't work like that. It was basically him saying, Jason, this is a word that I need to speak to you. You understand the difference? I need to speak this to you personally because we got to work on some things. And then through that, if the Lord, if he wants to use that to encourage others, but I just, I think sometimes we're always wondering, what's the next thing and what's this and this and this? And sometimes the Lord is just saying, you just sit and let me speak to you first, and then we'll start talking about some of these other things. So the word that I needed to hear, three words, do, not, worry. Do not worry. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 6. Now I want to read through this. Just We're going to look at verses 25 through 34. Hopefully this is going to speak to you guys like it spoke to me. That is my prayer. I have a feeling I'm probably not the only one in here that might be struggling with worry lately. 
I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I can see by some heads nodding that we're in a similar spot. This life is just crazy. Can I get an amen to that? It's, <laughs> it's crazy, and it's busy, and it's, it's overwhelming at times, and it's consuming, and it's exhausting. My wife and I, we find ourselves more times than not talking about how sweet it will be when we are in heaven. You all talk about that? You think about that? I mean, I still want to be here and still want to be a part of what's going on, but the older I get, it's like, you know, come, Lord Jesus, come. Man, I want to be in your presence. And there's a time when it's just like, oh, these things that are going on, but listen, until that day takes place, the Lord is saying, hey, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Hey, there is stuff that I want to do. There are still things that God wants to do. So let's look together, Matthew 6, beginning in verse 25. Therefore, Jesus says, I tell you, do not be anxious, or some translations say, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? In the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Verse 27, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Verse 31. Therefore, what? Do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, once again, what does he say? Do not be anxious. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, the main theme that Jesus wants to get across here is what? Do not worry. Brothers and sisters, this is Jesus. This isn't just a friend encouraging you, hey man, it's going to be okay, don't worry. This is the King of kings and Lord of lords telling us multiple times, do not worry. Do not be anxious. Why are you stressing out about these things? And this is why I believe I needed to hear this. And here's what's interesting. My worry has not necessarily been a bad thing because of all that God has been doing. So last February, uh, it came time for enrollment, right? We had 53 kids. This, the school year was going great. 
Uh, God provided the teachers. He provided mission teams to help finish some of the remodel in our building. Things were going great. It was, it was just an awesome year. I, I can't really complain about anything uh, for the first year of a private Christian school in the middle of a small, poor town in Mexico. Uh, so in February, uh, every February is when they do enrollment in the schools down in Mexico, in the public schools. And so we, we do our enrollment the same time in February, March, because it allows if there's kids that are in public schools, they can in the public schools, they can pull them out and roll them in our schools. We figured we should just kind of match what the other schools are doing. So last February, we're still in, in the middle of the year, and we began talking with families and parents, and, and it seemed like the majority of the students and families uh, wanted to come back. We had a list, I think, of about 10 or so that had spoken to us throughout the year of saying, hey, whenever you guys uh, do enrollment, we would like to be a part of the school. So we were anticipating maybe 10 to 15 more uh, on top of what we had. Well, I have found my plans and my anticipation and my interpretation of things is generally, usually not what God wants to do because God wanted us to go from 53 kids to 95 kids. When it was all said and done and it was time to uh, really begin to think through, okay, we've got to just finish out this school year, do graduations, and then figure out how we're going to handle almost double the amount of students. We did not have the teachers. We did not have the money. We did not have the space. We did not have the transportation, so on and so on and so on. So how is it that something that is so great and the increase in all these new kids that are wanting to come in and these beautiful faces, why would we worry about that? Well, like I said, uh, money, teachers, buildings, transportation, and everything. So all of a sudden, it's like, holy smokes, this was working for 53, but 95, we had to cut off the enrollment because um, we just couldn't do it. And so we're thrust into this place of thinking, well, how we don't have the teachers, we don't have the enough space, we don't have an, another van, and all these things. And it was as if God was just waiting for us to finish not complaining, but just questioning and worrying about all these things. For him to say, I never asked you to figure all this out. In fact, what does Jesus say here in Matthew 6 in verse 33? It's the only thing he wants us to worry about. It's the only thing he wants us to focus on. And what is that? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus saying, listen, your only job <laughs> is to seek me. That's it, you guys. Listen, whether you are in Mexico running a school or you're working at a coffee shop here in Florida or you're retired or you're playing golf or you're setting up or you're tearing down at church or whatever it is that you're doing, God just wants you to pursue and seek him. 
how often we get that turned around and mixed up because it becomes about the doing and the planning and this and God is saying how about you just be still know that I'm God and let me speak to you how I'm going to provide and that's what he's saying here in these verses he's reminding us when it comes to worrying about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear, he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither soil nor, uh, um, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They never t- so he's going through all of these things. And then he says something so interesting in the end of verse 26. Are you not of more value than they. Do you know what he's saying there? He's saying, look at how I am working and moving and how I provide and how I take care of. Do you somehow think that these things are more precious and valuable than you? No. I love what Psalm 139, 14 says. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and what? Wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. We're talking about the God who in Psalm 78 It says, the God of Israel who alone does wondrous things. We're talking about the God in Genesis chapter 2 when he created man. It says that he formed man out of dust. And then it goes on to say that he breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living creature. You guys, that is the God we're talking about. That is the God who is saying, do not worry. That is a God that is saying to Jason, hey, listen, you should be so excited about this massive increase in your school and you should just seek me all the more. Because look at the end of what he says. Look at what happens after we seek him. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, aren't you glad it doesn't just end there? Imagine if it said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Verse 34, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. But it doesn't. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All these things will be added. When do those things come? As a result of what? Seeking him. And those things, look what Jesus says. Those things, the end of verse 32, look at verse 30. For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. You should underline and highlight. I've got my, it is highlighted and underlined and circled, that word all. Do you think that God is surprised or somehow caught off guard when finances are tight. I know that we think that. 
And we feel that. But we're talking about God. We're talking about our Savior. We're talking about the one who is saying, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Seek me, seek me, seek me. This is the one that created everything. And I want to keep driving this home because it is so easy in this world that we live in to just forget these things. We can put God in a box and things like a pandemic can make it seem like, plus with the lies and the the deceitfulness of the enemy, we can feel like this is too big for God. That's what the enemy wants to convince us. He wants to say to you, the difficulties in your marriage, that's too much, so you should call it quits. He wants to say, your, your kids, yeah, they're at that age, it's too late. He wants, the enemy wants to feed lie after lie after lie for us to begin to doubt who our God and Savior is. And that's why Jesus says in the end of verse 30, um, it's a lack of faith. He says, oh, you of little faith. Why do we doubt? It's a lack of faith. It's us feeling like uh, this, this, this can't happen. We had a list, uh, uh, we had two 15-passenger vans, so that's 30 seats. In Mexico, you can squeeze a few extras in there. (laughs) And we had a list of like 75 waiting for transportation. And I just said to our team, we can't do transportation. We'll just have to go through the list and just, sorry. And we thought and we thought and we tried to figure things out and then we thought maybe we should pray, so we prayed. I got a call from a pastor of a church. He said, hey, listen, we had this extra money in, uh, in our missions account. We'd like to either donate it to the building project or donate it to, um, for whatever's needed. $15,000. And I said, oh, wow. And I said, well, let me think and pray on it because we need a new junior high building because we're, our junior high is going to almost triple in size. We started a high school as well, um, but we need a van. So he said, well, I'll tell you what. How about we'll match up to $15,000 to anyone that might want to donate to um, a van or a project? In other words... Why don't you get the word out there and see if anybody else might be interested and then we'll kind of match that money and so the goal was to raise more money. So in my mind, I thought, oh man, I don't want to just, I never like sending out emails and just being like, hey, I don't like, it just feels awkward hitting people up or how do you word things or how do you explain things? It's always something I've just wrestled with. I thought of one individual who every year they always, his business always donates or does something. So I emailed him and I said, hey, blah, 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 here's what's going on. And he said, okay, yeah, thanks for sharing. We always love helping. Let me, 
Let me uh, think on it. And you know, anytime you, someone says, let me think on it, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, that's it, done. <laughs> Maybe an hour goes by, emails me back, we're in for 15000 So that 15000 jumped to 30000 in a period of about an hour. That is the God we serve. Now, I don't know if he's going to do it again. I don't know. That's the mysterious thing of God and how he works. But he works, and he is working, and he's going to work. He's the same yesterday, what? Today, and? Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Sufficient for what? Today is its own trouble. Now, that's interesting to me. Wouldn't you just love Jesus to end with verse 33 and then move on to chapter 7? But seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Amen. I believe it and receive it. Let's go into chapter 7, judging others. No. He adds verse 34. Why? Well, let's read that again. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Why? For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus is saying, why are you worrying about tomorrow when you have absolutely no control over that, when you've got to just get through today? How many of you find yourselves worrying about things this week? Okay. How many of you are just trying to get through the day, right? How many of you are, are already worrying about things later on this year? I'm already worrying about enrollment for next school year because we're doing enrollment again. It's February. It's that time of the year. 93 of our students have confirmed they're coming back and another 20 are getting registered. So I'm already kind of stressing out about 2024, 2025, when Jesus is saying, you should just concentrate on today. He's saying, it's not a bad thing to remember the past or to plan for the future, but we need to live in today. You seek me today. And tomorrow We'll deal with tomorrow tomorrow. I wonder how much anxiety we would save and stress we would save if we tried to abide by that. Lord, just give me through today. I don't know what tomorrow has in store, but you know. And so I'm trusting you. I'm seeking you. One of the things that we felt like we should do is because we're a school and all these kids are in there, we should figure out how to be a school and, and do kids, are, you know, are, you, are we going to do activities and this and sports? And you just start thinking of, oh, what about sports? What about clubs? What about um, this? And what about that? One of our teachers said, hey, uh, some of the students have been asking about chess. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I, mean, I don't play chess. I don't know how to play chess. Uh, I barely play checkers. I usually lose. And uh, he was like, could we, could we do a club and just have this time of chess? And I was like, sure. 
We had like over 40 of our kids sign up. A lot of them are second, third, fourth graders literally playing chess. And so, of course, that launched this, well, how about this? And our sports people thought, you know what, let's, let's start some sports. And so we put together basketball teams and soccer teams, and, and there's no organized sports down there. There's no English classes down there. There's no music classes down there. And so we were realizing that in this new thing that God was wanting to do, there was all these new opportunities. We've got a soccer team now that we're starting. So just exciting things taking place. House of Blessing is our nonprofit, and, and our mission and vision has always been caring for kids, partnering with families, and investing in our community. So even with the school, we've wanted to in, in care for kids, educate the kids, figure out a way how we can partner with family, walk, journey with them, not just have it be a school where they come, drop off their kids, but how do we build relationships with them? How do we get to know them? Their kid, they're paying tuition and they want their kids to be in a private Christian school. I want to know why. <laughs> like this is out of the ordinary. In a small, poor town, why would you pay $60 a month, which is what the tuition is, uh, why would you pay that and bring your kids to a Christian school? So as we have begun to just have conversations and meet families, um, this family started showing up to our church because their son kept bugging them to go to church. He came to our VBS over summer and he was like, can we please go to church? Can we please go to church? And so they came and they showed up uh, last or uh, two Sundays ago, um, the dad came to church and he was all alone. That's pretty unheard of down there in Mexico. And they said, what are you doing? I should not have said that. He said, well, I'm going to church. <laughs> I like, oh, Jason. I said, where's your family? He said, they're all sick. I was going back and forth of whether I should go to church, but I thought I should really go to church. This next family, they invited us over their home to have dinner together, and then they've got a pool table. I didn't know anybody had a pool table in, in Bashiniva. I love playing pool. Uh, I feel like I'm pretty good at it. Um, I was reminded that night that I am not good at it because uh, this father and son beat me every single game. The only game that I won is when we played uh, teams, and I was on one of their teams, uh, and then I won. So I felt pretty good about it. So we're over at their house. They made, they made steaks, and we're just eating in this cement-built garage outside. And so my wife, Jackie, and, and the mom, um, they're talking, and she said, um, can I ask you guys why you've been coming to church? It's been so neat having you. And she said, well, I never really thought it or wanted to go but it was all because of this kid. He kept asking every weekend, can we please go to church? Can we please go to church? Can we please go to church? And she said, I finally told my husband, we might as well go. So he kind of stops asking us to go. And she said, and then we went and we loved it. And now we like coming back as a family. My wife, Jackie, teaches kindergarten and um, she's got 12 kindergartners, 11 girls and one boy. <laughs> this kid named Liam, I mean, he's five, dude acts like he's 18, Mr. Chivalry dude, just oh, literally no joke, he will open the door for the, the girls when they get to school. He will help them take their backpacks. He will help 
put, I mean, he humbles me in realizing, dang, I guess I should start opening the door. Jackie, what can I do? Can I help you? Let me help you out here. Because this little five-year-old kid and all the girls like, oh, Liam, thank you. And I was like, oh my goodness, you guys are four and five years old. This family started coming because her cousin, the mom's cousin, started coming to our church. And she has two girls in our school. And she comes every Sunday and every Wednesday. So she's been inviting her cousin. So they started coming. And so on Wednesday, this past Wednesday before I came up here, she uh, said, I was like, hey, how are you guys doing? And so we just started talking. We talked for probably 30, 40 minutes. And she was just saying, we are just so thankful for this school. And we're so thankful for the impact that it's been having on our daughter. And we've been telling everybody, our neighbors and our family and our friend and anybody we can talk about about the school because we want them to have the same experience and the same change that we're seeing in our daughter. She's in kindergarten. And they're already talking about this impact of what it's having in her life. And then lastly, the third part of our desire has been to just be in our community. We did not want to do this school because we felt like the, the public schools are wrong, we're right, and so we're going to do our own thing. We didn't want to be secluded. We wanted to, how can we be a light now into our community? Aside from just being a school open to people coming. Uh, Mexico does, in November, they do this massive parade um, for Revolution Day. And so they invited our school, our town, our governor, our, our mayor and the schools invited us to be a part of this parade. And so our students got to dress up and they, they did reenactments of certain scenes from the revolution. Uh, I was able to play music with our high schoolers. We sat on the back of a truck. We set up the sound system, and we just went from one side of town to the other with our school banner and our logo and our theme verse. So exciting to see our students be a part of community and be a part of the town. Uh, it was just an awesome time. Um, and then lastly, remember when I said, how are we going to do this? We don't have enough teachers. Well, the Lord said, I'm going to take care of this. And so we've got a team of 17 plus uh, secretaries and van drivers and cooks and cleaners and teachers. And so amazing things that God wants to do and telling me, Jason, don't worry. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. All that to say as we close, God is in control. Amen? He is in control. So much so that we really don't have to worry. We really don't. So I just want to encourage you guys, as you go about your week, as you leave, just Seek first the kingdom of God. God, I trust you. God, I believe you. God, I know that you have this figured out. And you will see how the lover of your souls, the creator of you, you will see firsthand how he works it out. Amen.